Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Your Tampa Bay Rays are the hottest team in baseball, having won eight straight games to match their longest winning streak of the season. They will play the Braves tonight in Atlanta, the start of a two-game set there, and it's just been one remarkable year, one that all of baseball has taken notice of. And you asked for him, we got him today. The man who covers the Tampa Bay Rays for the Tampa Bay Times, Mark Tompkin, is going to join us in just one minute. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started, let me tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now, and you get a free 30-day trial. That's a $15 value, and as a listener to this podcast... You also get a free audiobook. Now here's what you do. Go to audibletrial.com slash sportsday. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sportsday for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. All right, we're joined now by Rays beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times, Mark Tompkin. And Mark, as we speak, the Rays are coming off a sweep of the Red Sox, a perfect homestand. They got an eight-game winning streak, 70-61. and 61. Nine games over 500 for the first time in three years. You've covered this franchise from its start. Just kind of put in perspective, just to start with, what what has this season been like? What's it been like covering this team? Well, I think really, Rick, it's it's been arguably one of the most interesting seasons. I mean, 08 will never be matched because of you know what they did and what they accomplished, and and you know that became clearer as the year went on. But just this year, I think in terms of the ups and downs, the good and bad, the the pitfalls, the innovations if you want to call them that with the use of the opener uh, playing through Joe Romo at third base happens to pop into my mind I mean there's just been so many things that they've done I mean this is like the uh, the baseball version of the beer commercial the most interesting team in America and and uh, you can make a case for the success factor too and, and relatively speaking because you know finishing over 500 is probably the best they're going to be able to claim this year I don't think they're going to make this this push to the playoffs it's a little too late for that but you know, just to, to think of where they were, 1-8, and 4-13, and 13, the players, not only that they traded during the offseason, but even during the season, the amount of injuries they endured. There's been so much that they've gone through, and, and to have come out of it, or apparently to have come out of it on the plus side of 500, is going to be pretty impressive. I mean, it seems like 100 years ago when Evan Longoria was traded, and that was the you know the death <laughs> knell of the franchise, right? Yeah, and, and you know, look, we were—I was out front, you know, kind of banging that drum as to, you know, how could they do this? How do you trade this guy? What are you doing? What's your plan here? And you know, he was really the first move, and and you know, it was or the winter of discontent would be putting it mildly among Rays fans as they got rid of more and more guys. And then the first week of spring training, Corey Dickerson, Jake Odorizzi, Stephen Souza Jr., you know, it just kept going, and then you know, roll through the season. Alex Colome, Wilson Ramos. Denard Spann, who looked like he was a good addition. Chris Archer most recently. I mean, there's just been so many uh, players that they've gotten rid of, but this was all done with a plan. It was all done with the guys of, of kind of a rebuilding on the fly, not a not a demolition job of, of replacing these guys with young players. Some of it they've lucked into, some of it they haven't quite done yet. Uh, they still have a little bit of work to do, but I think they're going to come out of this season, out of 2018, with the real feeling of two things. One, that they've got their core in place. Stu Sternberg said that, talked to him a few weeks ago in New York, and he said, you know, for the first time since 08, 09, or 09, 010, 
you know, looking back to those years of really having almost their full team in place of not having much that they have to go out and do during the winter. And I also feel like that they have a sense that this young core, it's a little different for the Rays. They haven't done it this way. We've seen the Cubs do it and the Astros do it, teams like that. But they feel like they've brought this young core to the big leagues more or less together. These guys, a lot of them have played together. They've won together in the minor leagues. They come up here with a confidence. They come up here with a sense of, you know, a camaraderie, a sense of brotherhood that they, you know, can do this, pull it out. They've done it before. They're going to figure out a way to do it up here. And we've seen glimpses of that. I mean, look at the way, you know, most notably Willie Adamas and Jake Bowers, the way they play off each other, the way they play together, you know, the way they help each other. It, it, you really get a feel for what this team could be like going forward. There's some guys that have to come back from injuries and some guys that have to step up, but I, I really do, you know, kind of buy into the fact that they have this core in place. Now, is, is it good enough? Is it going to be, as good as what the Red Sox are going to throw out there every day when they can you know, go out and get what they need and pay whatever they have to pay. Is it going to be as good as the Yankees can throw out there every day when they can both bring up the core that they have and supplement it with guys like Giancarlo Stanton and, you know, Raldis Chapman. I mean, those are pretty good pickups. So I don't know if the Rays will ever be in that position, obviously, but I think the fact that they have the young core and that these guys have shown they can play well and hold their own with those big teams is definitely a promising sign. If we go back and we look at sort of like when when things started to mesh, and I know it's been an up and down year, would we have to? Would we look back and say when Willie Adams and Jake Bauer came up that that's that was those two guys were sort of the infusion of enthusiasm and youth, and you know even for Willie he didn't get going until they finally traded Hedani Hechevarria, um, you know at the plate and playing every day, but. As much as anything, those everyday players, the shortstop and the first baseman, are they going to be the ones that, that we point to? I think that was the point of demarcation. You know, I think some of the other moves they made and, and you know, getting rid of different players along the way and plugging in different guys, you know, at one point, you know, really we were all writing about and talking about Johnny Field was a big part of this. Well, he really wasn't. He was the guy they wanted to take a look at. They decided he wasn't going to be impactful enough. They moved him along. Right. Some other of the pitchers that have come up and some have played big roles and some haven't. But I do think that we are going to look back historically and say that, yeah, when they brought Bowers and Damas up and, and you're right, it took Willie, you know, a month or two before he could really get it figured out. But I do think mm-hmm. we're going to get to the point where, you know, that's going to be considered kind of the start of this and that, you know, if it works, that'll be looked back as, you know, this next generation of Rays. The uh, the story of of baseball maybe in terms of what the Rays have brought again this year the innovation uh, is the concept of this opener and I I think you know I'm not sure maybe you would know that they intended this to be uh, utilized to the degree it has been obviously the injuries to the pitching staff probably made it more so I mean I remember a time when they thought they had four starters and and this bullpen day is what they called it initially would be for the fifth starter if they needed one or the fifth day. Um, but is it has it been easier for the buy-in to happen because so many of these guys are new to the major leagues and they didn't have defined roles? Definitely, and and I think you know again in a way you could compliment the Rays or you could also say they were you know savvy and even a little bit of cutthroat in how they orchestrated this. But exactly part of the way this part of the reason this worked was they had this group of pitchers and we're talking about specifically Ryan Yarbrough, Yanni Chirinos, uh, now that they've acquired him in trade, Jalen Beeks, uh, but some other guys for you was in the group later on too. And then a couple other guys, some on the bullpen side, Stanek was, for example, Castillo, they had these young pitchers that, you know, pretty much they would could kind of say to them, this is the role we're going to use you in. And, and what were the pitchers going to say back? If you're Ryan Yarbrough, would you rather be working as a, a follower? So shall we use for lack of a better term, behind the opener 
and have 12 wins in the big leagues or be starting in a traditional role at Durham and have 12 wins at AAA. I mean, there's, you know, there's no doubt. So I think the fact that they got the buy-in from these guys and a little bit was, you know, kind of self-fulfilling prophecy because they knew these players would be happy to do it because they didn't, you know, what was their other choice? They weren't going to complain. So that was part of it. And I also think they were open about this. I mean, Kevin Cash has said a number of times, if they had the starting rotation that the Astros have or the Red Sox have with a bunch of veteran, you know, guys, as, as they've had here in the past, they wouldn't have done this, but they felt like it was, you know, kind of the stars aligned. It's an idea they've kicked around for a while. And, you know, it's, it's not that different in a way than a bullpen day, but it is in that it's orchestrated for that first guy to just go the one or two innings and the next guy to go four or five to try to get you back to the normal back end of your bullpen. And that's where it's different. That's what sets it apart. And I think they felt they had the right combination of power bullpen guys that could be used at the front end. And these uh, creative, you know, creative use of these kind of converted starters to work with both of these middle innings. Let me ask you about the one guy that has been their horse and the best pitcher maybe in, in baseball or in the American League, which is Blake Snell. As we talk, he's 16 and 5. I think his ERA, I don't know what is it, 2.05 or somewhere. 2.05, yep. Yeah, down there. Um, Mark, I, I can't remember a pitcher. I know it started sort of at the end of last year, the second half of last year, but, you know, you saw the stuff when he came up. I mean, he had four A-plus pitches, but I can't remember a guy putting it together so quickly uh, from one year to the next. Is it just the maturity? Um, is it, uh, uh, you know, things just sometimes click? But But with Blake, I mean, could this also be the first sort of franchise pitcher maybe that the Rays – might have a chance of locking up someday and not letting him get away like the David Price or, or James Shields. Yeah, I mean, the first part of that is, is probably the more the more answerable question, and, and I think it was a matter of everything clicking for Blake. I, mean, I think he was humbled and maybe even humiliated by what happened to him last year. I mean, starting the season mm-hmm. in the big leagues, getting sent down in May after I think it was eight starts. Uh, coming back and not really being all that much better. And, and he was he was sent down again. I mean, they were actually sending him down a second time, and Alex Cobb stubbed his toe or came up with turf toe or something, and they kind of rescinded right. the decision and kept Blake Snell around. But, you know, he really had been demoted twice last year. And, you know, he had to figure some things out. Some of it was mechanical. And, and Jim Hickey, the, the former pitching coach, was, was one of the guys who suggested him moving on the rubber to where he is, his alignment to the plate was different, and that unlocked a lot of things for him. So there was a physical change. There was a mechanical mm-hmm. change in that regard. But a lot of it was in Blake Snell's head. It was a matter of wanting to to not waste this talent, of not waste this opportunity, and to go out there and, and you know kind of be aggressive and take charge. And you saw it the last 10 starts last year, and it carried over through the winter. Kyle Snyder, the, the new pitching coach, who has been kind of Blake's uh, confidant throughout the organization because he's minor league uh, had him in the minor leagues, had him as a minor league rover. Uh, so he's really been with him for the last four or five years in some capacity. He went out to see him in Seattle during the winter, and he said they had lunch. And Blake Snell looked at him at lunch, looked him right in the eye, and said, I want to be the best pitcher in baseball. Mm. And and Kyle just told me that the other day. And, and, you know, he said it was a pretty powerful statement at the time. And he said it's hard not to be impressed with how serious Blake has taken that since. And he said that's in every workout, in every session. And, Look, it, you know, he talked a good game in spring training, Blake did. And, and I, I mean, I wrote a thing about it in spring, and I'll admit, Rick, I was kind of like, yeah, this sounds good, but let's see. I mean, sure. you know, last year he was the guy always talking about video games and playing ping pong and this, that, and the other. You know, and not that that doesn't mean you're going to be a good pitcher, but let's see if he really takes it seriously. And then I think other people probably had a little bit of skepticism even within the organization. But, 
he's shown everybody. I mean, he has single, single focus, laser focus throughout the season and making the all-star game. What he went through there of not making the original team, you know, not blowing people up about that. Just saying, Hey, whatever happens, happens. I mean, I give him a lot of credit in a lot of different ways for what he's done. And his interviews after games are terrible. <laughs> I mean, we all <laughs> laugh and joke about how boring they are. It's, it's like, put these up on video. I'm like, why does this even get like five clicks? Because it's just, you know, but, but, you know, in a way that's his personality too. And he just, you know, he's all business. He's all serious about it. And he has plenty of time to joke around and those in between days. And in the, even the before start, you'll see him laughing and joke with the other players. But as far as, you know, his attitude, when it's, time to get on the mound or time to talk about what he did on the mound he's been all business all year long and and the results have been tremendous as far as the uh, second part of your question yeah (laughs) i I don't know i mean yeah a little hard to answer that i think you know the fact that chris archer signed that deal that he did and and you know kind of grew i I, you know i'm me saying this not him but i think kind of grew to lament it a little bit and you know, you know yeah. when all you're talked about for years is how you've got this contract that's incredibly team friendly and undervalued you know, I, I don't know that that helps the Rays and the opportunity to get Blake Snell signed, having seen that played out. You're seeing the game, you know, for a while that was the big trend in the game, and you're not seeing it as much anymore. So I think those young players have started to realize, you know, don't give away, you know, those future rights. I and mean, Evan Longoria, I thought, had a great perspective on that. When he signed his first deal, and he signed two with the Rays, he said he was counseled by some veterans, and I think Eric Hinsky was one of them, who said, you know, you take the first deal to make your first fortune. And then after that, you know, if you sign it young enough, you'll get a chance to do it again. And then you can, you know, pick your turn and pick where you want to go and pick how long you want to do it. But the first time it's offered, you grab that and you secure, you know, your future and your family's future for a long time. I, I don't know. It seems like that's changed a little bit around the game. I don't think you see it happening as much anymore. And as a result, I think you see players getting called up and getting to the big league sooner. You know, Atlanta's got a couple of kids out there playing right now. You see younger guys making it to the big leagues, and I think that's part of this decision by the teams and the players kind of, you know, forcing each other's hand on that. Yeah. Hard to turn down, you know, guaranteed money when, when injuries are such a big part of the game. If he wins uh, 20 games, if he goes 20 and five, could match the greatest, uh, I guess, pitching performance in franchise history. You think he gets it? 20 wins. I think he could get the 20 wins. I don't think he's going to have much margin for error. He's only going to probably have six more starts. So he, okay. he really got a, you know, He's probably, you know, got a, well, I guess he would have to win four of the six, and that's if he gets the sixth one. And he's going to have a couple tough ones here. They're going to, he's going to face Cleveland this weekend, and he's going to face Oakland, it looks like, when they come in here. So he's going to have a couple tough teams. They've got the Yankees in that last week. There's a chance he could pitch then, too. So it's going to be tough to do it. But on the other hand, he has risen to the level of competition. There was a great stat the Rays had yesterday that he's 3 0 in with a 1.08 ERA and four starts against the Red Sox. So 3 0, 1.08, and four starts. Any other pitcher who's faced the Red Sox three or more times this year has an ERA over four. Wow. So think about that. Yeah, I mean, talking about a guy who's risen to the occasion. That was three times at the Trop, once in Boston, and obviously his record at the Trop is crazy too, Blake Snell's is. But, yeah, he's got the only ERA under four for anybody who's faced the Red Sox three times or more. So he, he definitely can handle himself against any level of competition. So it'll be curious to see. I mean, if he gets a chance, if he gets 18 or 19, and certainly the excitement level is going to build for that push to 20. No doubt. Um, let me ask you about a couple players uh, just real quick. What uh, what has happened? What happened to Kevin Kiermaier this year? And it looks like maybe he's turning the corner a little bit at the plate. I know about. I know the injury was a big thing, and maybe that's that's all it's been. But what do you think of him uh, going forward and where he's at in his career right now? Yeah, I think it's almost like a lost year. 
And it's, it's, you know, it's obviously too bad from the race standpoint because the second year, that big contract they signed him to, but I think he's yeah. put a lot of pressure on himself early in the year with the guys that they traded that he was going to have this monster year. Then he got hurt, you know, April 15th and he was out for two months. So he really lost all of that work. He was basically starting spring training over again. He came back a little earlier than he was expected to. He probably rushed his way back a little. So I think it was just one of those where, you know, the pressure, the slow start. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The injury, the missed time, rushing back, this just all kind of steamrolled over on him. And, you know, he is climbing out of a little bit. He's all the way back to 200 now, which he, we laugh about, but it took him a long time to get there. He was in a huge yeah, hole, and it took him a long time just to get to 200. And, you know, so I don't know. The defense is obviously always going to be good, and, and you know, the Rays are always going to value that. A lot, I'm sure a lot of the reason they paid him the money they did was for that defense. And, you know, there's some, in, some ancillary effects of that, too, not just, you know, what the job Kevin Kiermeyer does, but it allows them – the opportunity at least to play guys in left and right field who don't cover as much ground. It allows them to, you know, pick and choose a little differently how they stock their roster because they know that Kiermaier can kind of play his position plus a little more so they can shift differently defensively. There's a lot of things that they can do that Kiermaier enables them to do. So I think there's still a feeling that they're, you know, going to get their money's worth, so to speak. But yeah, the offensive contributions have obviously been a major step back this year. Still a pitching and defense team, Mark, but they did add some bats throughout the season. I mean, we're just starting to see him a little bit now. Tommy Pham, of course, has been hurt, but he certainly can swing it when he's healthy. And, and G-Man Choi, what's with, what's with G-Man, man? He's kind of like the fun <laughs> guy that uh, just like, you know, everybody's, everybody's into. The international man of mystery. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. I mean, he, he, he can chat with you a little bit. You know, he'll chat in the clubhouse. You hear him talking to other players. Yeah. He'll chat, you know, with media just casually. But all interviews are done, you know, through a, a translation service. And yeah. um, he really never had an opportunity. You look back at his, his stats, and he, this is the most advanced he'll have gotten in the big leagues uh, in any of the years that he's been up in between the Brewers and the Rays this year. And, you know, they haven't let him put a glove on yet, except for the batting glove, and I don't know if we'll ever see that or not. And, yeah, yeah, I know he's played a little bit outfield. I think if he ever played for the Rays, it would be at first base, and, you know, because they've got Jake Bowers and they've got C.J. Crone, I, I don't know that that'll even happen this year, but it's an interesting guy, and you wonder, you know, is he part of their plans or not? I mean, I don't think they're going to carry both he and Crone next year. They're not going to have two guys who are primarily DHs and limited positionally because they value that flexibility so much, but... G-Man, you know, is he one of these guys that kind of fits the race profile? They find him, you know, somewhere else where he wasn't getting opportunity and he can, you know, they know what he can do and they put him in position to do it as well as he can. He's certainly been impressive offensively and, you know, coming up with some clutch hits lately. I think his last 12 games or something like that, he's hitting like 380. So we've definitely seen the better side. And, you know, whether he can do that over a full season, you know, that's one, sometimes that's the give and take on that too. Is a guy that only plays part-time and does well or is he only doing well because he's playing part-time? Exactly. And one of those guys they found that was kind of blocked in his organization was Michael Perez, who's done a great job as a catcher. Let me run down through some names here and tell me if any or all of these guys you think will be back. This is a short list. Sergio Romo, um, you know, been their closer, 
you, you expect them to find a guy to take that role next year? Yeah, I, I think the guys that they have in-house between Alvarado and Castillo and even Stanek could be the closer, but I also think that doesn't preclude Sergio Romo from being back. As, yeah. as weird as Sergio Romo is, and there's some days when you, you watch him or hear him do an interview or see him talk or carry his new little puppy around the clubhouse, whatever it is, you think he's pretty weird, but he does a lot for that clubhouse. In the, in the same way Carlos Gomez does, in that they're veterans who've been there and done it, and they keep it loose and relaxed, and they're they're not high-maintenance in terms of, you know, they take whatever their role is. And there, there's definitely some value there with Sergio Romo. Yeah, Gomez, you mentioned, um, I, I don't know what his future is. You think him and you think Matt Duffy, Malik Smith, I mean, all those guys most likely back, maybe with the exception of Gomez? Yeah, I think Malik Smith uh, has played his way into – you know, the lineup and, and into the future significantly. Yeah. I think they really are impressed with what he's done. The speed, obviously, you know, in paired with Kiermaier is certainly on days when one of them's out of the lineup, but when they're both in the lineup, it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, I think Malik Smith has got himself into the conversation. I mean, the guy they picked up as the other part of the Archer deal is a left-handed hitting outfielder, Austin Meadows. He hasn't been called up yet. He's been playing a triple-A and playing really well down there. You know, it might be hard to have an outfield you have Sam as a right-handed hitter, and then if your other, you have three other guys that are all lefty. If you have Kiermaier, yeah. Smith, and Meadows, and you obviously would need another righty. But I think Malik Smith has definitely played his way into the future, into the plans. Um, and Matt mm-hmm. Duffy's a guy that I think they like. I think they're going to keep Matt Duffy. Might be the one guy that you know they've got a couple of guys that are arbitration eligible that'll make a little bit of money next year. Uh, and for a team that otherwise the only other commitment they have is to Kiermaier, and I think Matt Duffy's a guy that'll be willing to pay you know four or five million, whatever it ends up being to bring him back both for the defense and the hitting. I mean, he's going to end up hitting around 300, and the defense still maybe not as good as he expects it to be, having missed all last year, but still pretty solid at third base. And finally, let me ask you about uh, Kevin Cash, who um, you know, update me on just what his contract situation is. And, and uh, I, look, I don't know that he's going to win manager of the year. He probably won't. Certainly should get plenty of consideration for it. But after what he's done uh, under the circumstances and, and sort of the, the, the nuances and the, thing that, the things that the Rays have asked him to do, i got to believe that, that they want to go you know, further in the future with him, don't they? I think so. I mean, when they hired him, you know, he remember the situation. He had never managed before. He'd only been a big league coach for two years. He'd only been a couple of years uh, removed from playing. And, you know, they gave him a five-year deal, and there were a lot of kind of raised eyebrows and, and people asking, what are you doing giving that guy a five-year deal for? But, you know, the Rays said it at the time. They expected him to be a guy that, you know, they were going to hit on, and he was going to stick around for a while. I mean, Joe Madden was a guy that people raised their eyebrows about when the Rays hired him. He was a first-time, full-time manager, and he stuck around for nine years, and, and he seems to have done okay. So I, I think they were kind of trusting their judgment on that. Uh, this is the fourth year of the five cash was signed for. He has an option uh, for two years that would go into effect, you know, for 2020 and 21. I would anticipate the Rays picking that up, and Maybe talking about him with an extension. I've got a piece, you know, and we've talked to some of the raised people about cash, and, you know, they're very happy with the job he's done, and they say they'd like to see him be part of the future that they feel, you know, is obviously brighter now. So I think Kevin Cash deserves a ton of credit. I mean, you go back to having to kind of sell all these moves in the clubhouse. I mean, talking to the media, talking to fans is one thing, and that's part of the job, and it's important. But, you know, you've been in a lot of locker rooms, Rick, and, you know, the coach has to, or the manager has to tell the players about, here's why we did this, or here's what this means, and here's how this is still going to work. Sometimes that's the hardest part of their job because the players can kind of call them on it. You know, we, we can call them on it in print, and they can kind of sit around and laugh it off. But when the players in their own clubhouse call them on it, 
you know, that's a credibility issue and they've got to be able to explain it and sell it. I think Kevin Cash did a great job with that. I think he's done a good job with handling the buy-in for the players on the opener strategy with the pitchers and getting all them to agree and understand and, and be complicit with it and all that. And I think he's also become a better manager. I think, you know, you just see him on a daily basis. He's more confident. He's more comfortable. He's, um, his decision-making has improved. I mean, I think he's caught up with the speed of the game a lot better. I think there's a lot of things that he's done, but he's gotten better uh, over the four years he's been here. You can read that story on TampaBay.com. Mark Tompkin and uh, his discussion uh, with the Rays about Kevin Cash and his future, and Mark is headed to Atlanta, where another good young baseball team is waiting for the Rays, and that would be the Atlanta Braves. So an interesting season, Mark. You're always a great read and gracious to come on, and I appreciate the time. Thanks, man. Anytime, buddy. So, Steve, it's interesting about Cash because um, I have to admit that, you know, in the beginning, this guy had never managed before, and they really didn't give him anything to work with. I mean, I thought, you know, he, he sort of had to try to thread this needle between players that were on the downside of their careers. Um, you know, the, the really the minor league system wasn't quite where it is now where those guys like Willie Adamas and them were still several years away. So, you know, some rough seasons for Kevin Cash, which, you know, at the end of the day, they judge you on your win-loss record. But now I think that he is going to have a chance to kind of grow as a manager with this team. And it started, I think, this year with him getting his own coaching staff, nothing against Jim Hickey and some of those guys. But I think Kevin probably feels more comfortable. And a lot of those, you know, a lot of those guys on his staff now had had these young players in the minor leagues. And I think that's important. I mean, I think when Kyle Snyder – can look Blake Snell in the eye and the story that he told about him, you know, being with them this winter and Blake saying, I want to be the best pitcher in baseball. I think that has some real equity. So I, I feel really confident and, and I, I know it's as easy as saying, well, they're winning. So why would you ever change? But I really do having been around cash a little bit more this year, um, seeing how he's handled these guys. I, I do think he's the right guy going forward. Well, if you really look at the franchise and remember when, when he took over, and and same with uh, Eric Neander and, and and his crew there. Andrew Friedman and Joe Madden left after the 2014 season, which was not a very good season for the Rays. No. And to be all honest, Andrew Friedman, as good as he was at finding major league players that you could bring in, tweak a thing or two, and all of a sudden they have career type years and, and perform better than they've ever performed before. And when they'd go somewhere else, they'd perform less. I mean, he was Andrew Friedman and his crew was great at that. What they didn't do a very good job of in this franchise was amateur scouting. And their farm system was not very good three, four years ago. It just They didn't have the talent. They didn't have the depth. And so when Kevin Cash came in here and Eric Neander and Bloom and all them took over, they knew, and, and based on the moves you've seen for the last few years building to this year and then you know this year's building to the next two years, you can see that they knew their farm system wasn't good enough. And so they had to completely rebuild that. And trades for, you know, they got Willie Adamas in the in the David Price trade. They got Jake Bowers in trades. They, you know, a lot of the a lot of their farm system was players they've traded for and, and at a young age and built up now. And give give the whole organization credit. But and I think probably when they hired Kevin Cash, I'm sure they let him in on the plan of look, this is gonna this is not a two three year process, which is probably the other reason they gave him a five year deal. When most people were like, why would you give? a young manager who's never managed before a five-year deal, but they knew that they weren't going to be good a year or two from now. Now, they didn't say it at the time, but just look at the staff, look at the financial constraints, look at their minor league system. They didn't have that system built up to where 
a player goes down, you can call somebody up from the minors and be ready to play. They didn't have that three, four years ago, and they do now. And and I you know I have to assume he's going to see the fruits of that labor and be extended or pick up that the, the two year option after next year when his contract ends. I have to assume they're going to do that for as well as he's handled, particularly this year. But even the you know if you look at the last three years, they didn't have a lot, and they were still competing. I mean you know you remember last year at the trade deadline they were trading for pitchers. Their offense went in the tank after the trade deadline and they didn't make the playoffs. But they actually made a move to trade for players, and no one thought they had a team good enough to make the playoffs last year, but they played well enough for the first half of the season, particularly they hit well enough. So I think Kevin Cash absolutely has to be extended by this the organization, and I, I have to assume they have every intention to do that. Yeah, and, you know, for all the hand-wringing, and I did some of it too, you know, when you started seeing these guys getting traded away, I mean, they've gotten back value. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. the key. I mean, every, everybody wants to rob you of your of your best players, and – not give you the, the the A-line prospects. But, you know, the Rays were patient. I mean, there was a time when we thought maybe Archer should have been dealt a long time ago. But you know what? They ended up getting real value for him. Um, you know, and, and so they, they have built their minor leagues back up to where I think baseball, one of the baseball magazines ranked them the second best, uh, you know, organization uh, in the game right now. As well, and if you their, look at their minor the league teams, system. if you look at their minor league teams, every one of their minor league teams is in the playoff hunt. And if you add up yeah. their aggregate – win total or winning percentage in their minors, they blow anybody else out of the water. Because they have teams yeah. at every level winning. Not all of them are going to make the playoffs, but they're going to come close. I mean, every team's in the hunt. Uh, it's, it's, it's done, they've done great. And, and, you know, it's starting to show. And when you see guys like Jake Bowers and Willie Adamas come up here that were, you know, champions of, the, of what, the International League a year ago, you can see that, that attitude and the swagger that they have. And they, they brought it to the major leagues. I'm all for youth, and they have the right mix of sort of youth, and they got some veterans with you know the Carlos Gomez and, and guys like that, um, Sergio Romo that have brought you know that that leadership to the to the clubhouse and things. So you need those glue guys too. But um, there's not many. Mark is right. There's not going to be a lot of openings next season. You know, you're going to have. I mean, they could go out in free agency and they could add some things perhaps, but they don't need a lot. You know, they they have a core now. That's going to be together, and it's going to be hard to make this baseball team, whether you're coming up from their minor leagues uh, and you're a great prospect or not. And and so, um, I I don't again. I think Mark is right that that it's very unlikely they run down the Oakland A's for the second wild card. Although, you know, history shows them doing that once against the Red Sox, uh, with 24 games to play instead of 31. You know, uh, with the game 162 and all that, but. Uh, regardless, if they finish over 500 uh, or thereabouts, it's a remarkable season. I can't believe we're sitting here, you know, this late in August saying that, you know, they're nine games over 500. I didn't think that was possible, and, and yet here they are, and, and they're doing it by beating teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox. These are not, you know, yeah, they swept Kansas City, um, uh, and, and that was a good sign too because, you know, there was a time in the year where they were playing down to their competition they were getting up for the the you know the better ball clubs, but this team has belief, and when they're swinging the bats like they've been doing of late, uh, they're a real tough out because they don't give up many runs and and they play good defense. So, I've enjoyed watching this Rays team as much as any team in the past five years. I really have. I, I just think it's a good product, and good for Eric Neander. I mean, you know, the young general manager. I mean, guys that are stepping in here with their own ideas and doing it their own way, and it's working, and they deserve a ton of credit and. Baseball is taking notice. So 
Our thanks to Mark Topkin for joining us. We're going to have our popular mailbag segment coming up uh, this Thursday, so we want you to get your questions in for that. You can do that by reaching us on Twitter at SportsDayTB, at SportsDayTB, or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com, and that will take us up to the final preseason game between the Bucks and the Jaguars on Thursday, five or six spots that are going to be up for grabs uh, in the roster before they make their cuts down, cut downs on September 1st. And so that'll be uh, critical for those players. We'll talk about who's on the bubble and who may be coming, who may be going. So lots to discuss this week uh, as we uh, roll into the weekend. And uh, we'd love for you guys to interact with us. And we also love for you to rate and review this podcast. And you can do that. Anywhere you can find the podcast, right, Steve? Yeah, wherever you're listening, just hit that subscribe button. Maybe it's Apple Podcast or Google Play. Perhaps it's Stitcher or TuneIn or SoundCloud. Just hit that like button and subscribe button. That way it downloads every day. And if you tell a friend about it, that helps us out a lot. We appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed Mark Tompkin, and uh, have a great day. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Versnick. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. 